And I think when it comes down to it, whether it's your, your boyhood fantasy or what, I think it comes down to this. None of us want to live a wasted life. None of us want to live a life that doesn't matter. So there's something within every one of us that says, I want my life to make a difference. I want my life to be one that truly helps somebody else or makes some sort of significant impact in the life that I'm given. And I want to challenge you today, every single one of you in this room, that your life is full of divine moments just waiting for you to grab them. Your life is filled every day with opportunities to be a hero. Now that may sound kind of big because Pop's not going to put you or me in at the end of a game. And uh, you're not going to be chasing rattlesnakes, I hope, out in the pasture or whatever it may be. You may not be the one who pulls over on the side of the road and saves somebody's life. But you have divine moments in your life every single day. So I want, I want to give a little bit of a definition here on simply what a hero is. Heroes are ordinary people who trust God in divine moments. Heroes are ordinary people who trust God in divine moments. Today we're going to look at a historical account of a young man who defied the odds to trust God and unknowingly makes himself a real-life hero. Now to set it up just a little bit, you have the Israelites. That's who we're going to be looking at today. The Israelites are God's people. They have God's favor. The Israelite priests are with them, which means the ark of God would be with them. So literally, God's presence is with the Israelites. So the Israelites are, are the people we're rooting for in this situation as we look at this heroic saga today. But the Israelites have a history. And this history, if, if you've ever gone through a one-year Bible reading plan, you may get kind of bored with this because you're like, dude, I've been reading this for two months. Because what happens is the people of God, the Israelites, they honor God and they get God's blessing. And God says, I will protect you and I will be with you as long as you honor these principles, these statutes, these laws, these covenants. And the Israelites do that. And then all of a sudden they forget about God's goodness. And so they stop honoring God and God pulls back his blessing and protection and they get invaded and conquered. And then they say, oh God, we need you, we need you. And God pours out his blessing and protection. And they go through this cycle over and over again of God, we honor you. And then we kind of forget about you, God. We can kind of do the same thing, right? But that's what the Israelites were doing here. They were honoring God and then they'd kind of forget about God and the protection would be lifted. And so the Israelites are going to find themselves in one of these sticky situations today because they have forgotten to honor God and uh, the Israelites have now been invaded by the Philistines. Now, if you've been around church for a while, you may be kind of familiar with the Philistines or maybe a more popular story, David and Goliath, which comes a few chapters later than what we're going to be looking at today. But Goliath was a Philistine. The Philistines were the bad guys. Boo! The Israelites, the good guys. Yay, right? And so the Philistines are big, bad warriors. This is what they do. And literally, physically, the Philistines are big, ginormous people. It's just in their blood. And so they are, they are just bred to be warriors. And this is where we find ourselves today. We're going to be looking in 1 Samuel 
chapter 14. We'll have it up on the screens, but if you have your Bible and you'd like to follow along, I'd love for you to do that. Also, I'm just going to be kind of picking out some of the highlights, but I encourage you this week, read through 1 Samuel, read through chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, all the way up to David and Goliath. It's a really cool account there of, of just what God is doing in and through his people. So 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 2. One day, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outpost. But Jonathan did not tell his father what he was doing. I understand that. I didn't tell my parents I was chasing rattlesnakes either. Meanwhile, it says in verse 2, Saul and 600 of his men were camped out on the outskirts of Gibeah around a pomegranate tree. So here's what's happening. There's 600 Israelite warriors. They're down in a valley. This would be kind of a, a rocky uh, geographical area with hills and valleys. And we see that the Israelites are down in this valley. They're underneath uh, whatever shade they can find. That's where we find King Saul. He's under this pomegranate tree. There's 600 of them. And in the middle of the night, that's how he's able to get away without anybody knowing, Jonathan, who probably can't sleep, turns to his armor bearer, who's basically his caddy that carries his weapons for him, right? He turns to his armor bearer and he says, let's go over there to their outpost. Let's sneak away from our 600 men here and let's go over there to those guys and see what happens. Now there's Saul and Saul is the king. This should have been Saul's divine moment. Saul has the presence of God with him. He is the anointed one to lead the people of God. And yet, what do we find Saul doing? Saul is just laying under a pomegranate tree, taking it easy. Now, before we get too upset with Saul, it's not totally unreasonable. Because if we flip back just a page in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 5, we see what kind of led up to this and what kind of situation they're in. In verse 5, it says, The Philistines mustered a mighty army, 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and as many warriors as there are grains of sand on the seashore. So you've got 600 Israelites down in the valley, and around on the hilltops, there are Philistines everywhere you can see. They are surrounded by mighty warriors by the thousands surrounding them, and there's 600 Israelites in the middle. So it's not that hard to blame Saul for just saying, I'm just going to take a nap. I don't know what else to do, right? So he's there, but it even gets worse. If you look at verse 19, it says this, there were no blacksmiths in the land of Israel in those days. The Philistines wouldn't allow them for fear that they would make swords and spears for the Hebrews. So here's what the Philistines have done. The Philistines have gone and actually captured all the blacksmiths. They were were smart in their military strategy. So now the Israelites have no weapons. It's 600 to thousands, and we'll see later in the account, they actually had two swords. That was it, out of 600 men. King Saul had one sword that they snuck away, and Jonathan, that we're going to look at today, he had the other sword. So there's two swords, 600 men, against thousands with chariots and spears and swords and whatever other uh, primitive weapons they might have had. They had them all. They're totally outranked, totally outnumbered. There's not much of a chance that they're going to be able to make a difference. So maybe 
in that perspective, we can understand a little bit why Saul is just going, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to lay here under the pomegranate tree and maybe this will all go away. Maybe they'll get bored of waiting to conquer us and just leave. But whatever it is, Saul is just waiting there in what should have been his divine moment. Heroes are ordinary people who trust God in divine moments. Now, here's the funny thing about divine moments. They're kind of like Clark Kent. They're in disguise. You don't recognize them when you're around them. You see, you can't really recognize a divine moment when it's in the present. You can probably all look back at your life and see, God really moved in my life at this time or in this way in the past. And we can see divine moments in the rearview mirror. It's just much harder to, to see a divine moment when it's happening right now. And that's what we're going to see in this account today. But you see, often divine moments look like mundane moments. When you're just getting up today and doing again what you did yesterday, it could be a divine moment, right, in that situation. Divine moments look like ordinary days. Or divine moments look like when things aren't going right, when life begins to fall apart. Divine moments look like when stress comes to grip your life or when tragedy strikes you get that phone call that you never want to receive. That could be a divine moment in your life. Divine moments look like moments when you want to freak out, when you want to punch somebody in the throat, or maybe, like Saul, when you just want to go hide and go to sleep and pretend like you can wake up and this never happened. But divine moments happen when we trust God anyway. When you're rejected... When you lose your job, when you have to have that hard conversation with your spouse, divine moments happen when you trust God anyway in the middle of those moments. Divine moments might even be disguised, as we see here, as somebody else's moment. Because you see, it would be real easy in this situation for all of the Israelites to go, Come on, King Saul. You're supposed to be leading us and you've got to go take a nap right now? Can't you get up and do something? Our lives are on the line here. We left our families to follow you. It would be easy to blame Saul and say, this is your divine moment. Why don't you do something? That's easy to do in ancient Israel. That's also easy to do in 2016 America where we can look at everything going on around us and go, I sure wish people wouldn't act that way. I sure wish they wouldn't treat other people that way. I sure wish our government would do something about this or something about that. And it's real easy to point the finger at what everybody else should be doing or what a leader should be doing when just maybe it might be a divine moment for what God is calling you to do in many ways and in many situations. We see this happen as people blame Saul a little bit uh, because several things happened in the midst of this. We'll see this later. There were people from uh, the Hebrews that were also fighting with the Israelites. And the Hebrews realized that there was no way they were going to win this battle. So the Hebrew people left and went to fight with the Philistines. They actually said, hey, we know you're not going to win this. We're going to go over to the side that wins. They go over to the Philistines and say, hey, we'll fight with you. So they were traitors. 
And they left the Israelite people to do that. The Bible also tells us that a lot of the Israelites, they just went and hid in caves. They realized, we're sitting ducks down here in the valley. I don't want to die. I'm going to go find a place to hide till everybody else gets killed. And then I'm going to go home and hope that I survive this thing. So we've got people who are ignoring the problem, people who are hiding from the problem, and people who are running from the problem. But this is a divine moment. Heroes are ordinary people who trust God in divine moments. And Jonathan is about to seize this divine moment. Once again, he tells his armor bearer this in verse 6. Let's go across to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us. Nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win the battle whether he has many warriors or he has few. Now, I love this kind of faith that Jonathan says right here. He's saying, there's only 600 of us warriors. There's only two of us, me and you, him and the armor bearer. That doesn't matter to God. The numerical odds make no difference when God is considered. He says God can win this battle whether there's just a few of us or whether there's many of us. And we need those kind of verses in our lives. I like to hang on to those kind of verses. God can get me through this no matter what I'm facing. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The God who is for me, who can be against me, be strong and courageous for God is with you. We need those kind of verses in our lives. They're the kind of verses that you get at a Christian bookstore and they're on a maggot, uh, maggot, (laughs) they're on a magnet. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe you can get them on maggots these days too. I don't know. Uh, But they put verses on everything now. You can get them on mints and you know, who knows what. You can find it on a poster. I even found one when I Googled, if you'll put that up there, Colin. So here it is, that the Lord may work with us. For nothing can hinder us by many or by few. So here's Jonathan. He's down in this valley. There's the cliffs that they're surrounded by. That looks really lush and green for that part of the country. But uh, this, this is what they were facing. And we need that kind of faith that says God can do this no matter what we are facing. But it's the first part of his sentence that really separates the heroes from those of us who watch other people become heroes. The first part of the sentence simply says this, perhaps the Lord will help us. Jonathan's talking to his armor bearer. He's saying, let's go over there and fight these Philistines. God can do it. We know that God is with us. But he begins by just saying, maybe, maybe this will work. I don't know. Maybe if we go over there and try it, God's going to show up. Now, Kyle came up here earlier and gave you a nice Spurs demonstration. But... I brought a little demonstration for you of my own today. I mean, if I take this shot, perhaps, perhaps I can make it. The odds are against me. There's a whole lot of room in this room besides that small circle, right? But if I take this shot, perhaps I can make it. Now, there's a very good chance that I won't. And there's a really good chance that I'm not even going to shoot it because I'm going to hit somebody in the head. And the plan was fully, I was going to take this shot, and we threw a few and then realized, no, I'm going to hurt somebody if I do that. So I was advised, uh, safety first, and don't take the shot. But (laughs) perhaps if I was to launch this thing across the court, I would make it. Here's our hero. And the most confidence he has is in God, but he realizes at the same time, 
this just might not work out. He knows that God is trustworthy. He knows that he doesn't need more than two people to take over an entire military force. He knows that he doesn't need more than one sword to accomplish the battle. But what he doesn't know is how it's going to turn out. All he can do is trust God. So let me ask you, are you willing to trust God in your life with just a perhaps? With the things that are going on in your life, those divine moments that God may be placing in your life because of the circumstances or situations that are surrounding you, can you trust God with just a perhaps? We all like to think as Christians, it's all going to turn out happy. It's going to be a happy ending, right? And that's not always the case. Sometimes we have to trust God with just a, perhaps God will help us, but I'll trust him anyway. So let me add to our statement here. Heroes are ordinary people who trust God in divine moments, even when they don't know the outcome. What about you in your life? What are the divine opportunities that you're facing? Let me turn it around a little bit to help you think about that. If you knew you could accomplish something, you could do something, you could help someone, you could move to the next level in your life, you could try it and you would not fail, what would you do? All right, just think about that for a second. What would you do in your life if you knew you would not fail? Well, Pastor Adam, I'd jump off the Tower of America. No, that's not what I'm talking about, all right? In life, what you want to accomplish in life, who you feel like you're supposed to be in life, if you knew you could not fail, what would you do? Then let's go back to the question. Are you willing to take that step and just say, perhaps God will help me, but I feel like he's leading me in this direction? What are the Philistines in your life that are holding you back from getting to that goal of who you're supposed to be and who God created you to be? Maybe you say, I don't have the money. I don't have the connections. I don't have the resources. I don't have the opportunity that I need. I don't have the opportunity to get, go back to college. I don't have whatever it is that's holding you back. Jonathan had two people and one sword against an army and said, perhaps God will help us. The odds didn't matter. You know, if, if some of you are going, uh, who's the guy up there talking today? I've, I've been gone for a month and I'm really confused about what's going on here at Rock Hills. Well, welcome. We're glad that you're here. And uh, my name is Adam and it's an honor, an absolute honor to be here with you guys today. Just to give you a quick thumbnail of our story. Uh, this time last year, we were praying to God that our house would sell. We live down uh, near Corpus praying to God that uh, God would give us that opportunity because we had a perhaps in our heart. We felt like we should be in San Antonio, reaching the people of San Antonio, and perhaps God is going to make a way for us to do that. And God did just that. We were able to move up here uh, late August, and we got to see God do some great things. And our perhaps began to turn into reality. And then all of a sudden, everything got turned upside down and it seemed like everything that we had just crumbled right in front of us and then we had to go well maybe we were wrong and maybe we just need to take the opportunity 
we have to go back home or to leave San Antonio and go to whatever opportunities, doors that are open. But we said, no. Perhaps if we stay, even without a job, without many connections, even without a church that we're supposed to be at, perhaps God could, could open up a door. And I can't even be, I'll be here all day if I begin to tell you all the connections and how God just put together all the details. But you guys in this room are very evidence of perhaps in our lives personally of how God has begun to work in our lives. And it's been so neat seeing how God has come through. So what is it for you? What is that perhaps? A person who will seize the divine moment is a person who makes choices based on the rightness of that choice as an expression of the character of God and the heart of God, regardless of personal consequences or outcome. God isn't supposed to clarify everything with you. If God clarified everything with you and gave you a surety in everything, you wouldn't need faith. God wants you to trust in Him. So there are situations in every one of our lives where we just have to trust in who He is. Really, that's the only certainty we have in life. We don't have certainty of the outcome, but we have certainty of who God is. Just a side note here for you. Every hero needs a good sidekick, all right? We've been talking about Jonathan. He, he's throwing this plan at his armor bearer. Hey, let's go over there and... and Go over to the Philistines and see what happens, right? Every hero needs a good sidekick. You got Batman and Robin. Very good. You got the Lone Ranger and Tonto. We've got Jonathan and his armor bearer. You've got Mork and, all right, you just showed how old you are. For all the younger people, you've got Phineas and, all right, that's what I'm talking about. All right, so... It really helps to have a good hero. Now, I realize in popular culture, not all the heroes have a sidekick. But I just got to say, I'm so thankful for my family that's been with me through all of this, perhaps. And they say, we're with you. We believe that God is in this. So I encourage you, who is it in your life that is listening to God as well, that encourages you and prays for you and says, we've got your back? That's exactly what Jonathan's armor bearer does. Watch how he responds to to Jonathan. After Jonathan wakes him up in the middle of the night and comes up with this cockamamie plan, let's take our one sword and let's sneak over there to the Philistine army and see what happens. Watch what his armor bearer says in verse 7. Do what you think is best, the armor bearer replied. I am with you completely, whatever you decide. Here's the moment in this story where the dream begins to become action. Jonathan responds to his armor bearer. He says, all right then, Jonathan told him, we will cross over and let them see us. If they say to us, stay where you are or we will kill you, then we will stop and not go up to them. But if they say to us, come on up here and fight, then we will go up. That will be the Lord's sign that will help us defeat them. Now, some of you guys have served in the military, and I'm no military strategist, but I think you can back me up on this. This is probably not the best plan. He's telling his armor bearer, let's go over there to where they are up on that hill, and let's stand out where they can see us, and if they say stay there, we'll stop. But if they invite us up to be killed, 
we know that God is working in this. Our plan is working. Isn't that exciting? You know, if, I, if I'm his armor bearer, I'm thinking, okay, how about, how about we come up with a plan B, right? I mean, maybe we could come up with something else here because that's probably not the best plan. If I'm his armor bearer, I'm saying, okay, how about we use a little bit of guerrilla warfare or something, right? We could hide behind the rocks and, and then when they come down, we chop them at the knees, right? We get one guy's sword. We've just doubled our armory. And then we go on to the next guy. If I'm the armor bearer, I'm probably making some suggestions, but that's not what we see here. Jonathan's armor bearer is with him, heart and soul. Because Jonathan understood there's no way that they could succeed in their own power. There's no way that this is going to be accomplished. It was going to have to take God. He understood that outside of human possibility, that it was going to fail. That if there was going to be victory, that God had to bring the victory. He understood that they had to go to the point of no return and say, God, I'm here to fulfill your will and your purpose to accomplish your heart and to do what's on your mind. And I trust you without knowing what the outcome will be. Now just watch what happens. 1 Samuel 14, verse 11. When the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, Look, the Hebrews are coming out of their holes. Then the men from the outpost shouted down to Jonathan, Come on up here and we'll teach you a lesson. And Jonathan probably turns to his armor bearer and says, Our plan's working. They invited us up. And, you know, the armor bearer's like, Oh, Dios mío. Here we go. And so, come on up right behind me, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, For the Lord will help us defeat them. Then in verse 13, So they climbed up using both their hands and their feet. Took work to get up to where they were at. And here's what happened. And the Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer, killed those who came behind them. They killed some 20 men in all. Their bodies were scattered across a half acre. Suddenly panic broke out in the Philistines' army, both in the camp And in the field, including even the outposts and the raiding parties. And then here it comes. And just then an earthquake struck and everyone was terrified. So here's Jonathan and his armor bearer. They climb up and we don't know exactly what happened. But we know they took down 20 guys over a half acre. And then all of a sudden all the other Philistines all around the valley begin to hear something going on, and they begin to panic. What in the world is going on? So as they begin to panic, they begin to lose control, and just as they begin to lose control, God shows up, and a big rumble strikes, and an earthquake hits, and everyone is terrified. So you have Jonathan and his armor bearer. They trust, and they acted, even only just having a perhaps And what happened? God showed up. He showed up in a way that they never could have scripted out in any sort of military strategy. All they had was perhaps God will be there. Watch what happens at the very end of the story here. The end of the story, we're left with Jonathan standing in the place where no one else had the courage to stand. Out of all God's people, there was one person who said, I believe I can trust in God. And we see Jonathan standing in that place. 
Two guys against thousands. One sword against an armory. And if God didn't show up, they would be forgotten in all of history. He's a hero because he trusted God in this divine moment. Now I told you, you're all surrounded by divine moments. The very fact that you're sitting in this church today is the testament to a divine moment. Nearly almost 10 years ago, there was a dream in the Lance family's heart. Perhaps God, if we go to San Antonio, could do something through us. Perhaps he could use us to be the hands and feet of Jesus to people in San Antonio that need to know Jesus. And they trusted God and did that. And other people began to say, perhaps God, perhaps God. And there are those of you who are here today that said, perhaps God, perhaps if I go check out Rock Hills, maybe God can heal my marriage. Perhaps if I go check out this church, maybe I could have some of my questions answered that I don't understand. Perhaps if I get the nerve up to go back to a church again, perhaps God could connect me with other people who've been down this road. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps this church is full of people who have said, perhaps. You're in the middle of a divine moment. We're in the middle of a divine moment. Rock Hills Church is in the middle of a divine moment as God continues to move in and through us and we move in to a new season, it's a divine moment in the story of what God does in and through this church. And you're a part of that story. So I want to ask you this. For those of you who call this church home, would you cross over with me? Would you go with me over there to the Philistine outpost and let's see what God does? Can we cross over to the people in our city who are broken and hurting and need to find hope again? To the people, can we cross over to the people who have given up on church, but God still loves them dearly? Can we cross over to the people who have no idea who God is? And can we show them the love of God? Can we cross over across the hallway to show our kids how much God loves them? Can we cross over and see what God will do in and through our lives? Limitations don't apply. I just mentioned the kids, and some of you are thinking, man, I could never work with kids, or I could never talk to the people I work with about God. I just don't have that confidence. You've got one sword and one armor bearer. God can do it through you. If we'll just say, God, if you could use my life, I'm available, regardless of the outcome. My coworker may never show up to church, but perhaps, perhaps I could invite them and see what happens. I don't know what it is for you, but perhaps. So I want to tell you today, Rock Hills is a heroes wanted place. We got a heroes wanted sign for you that we're going to put up on. There we go. We are looking for heroes. You got a little become a hero card when you came in. And uh, if this isn't your church, we'd love to have you here if God's sending you here. But if this is your church, we would love to have you serving on one of our teams. And you may already be serving on one of our teams. We would love for you to mark on that card where you're already serving. But if you could be a hero even within our church, 
We need more people. Here's why we need more people, not just because we need more volunteers, but because as Rock Hills, we want to cross over and we want to reach more people. More volunteers we have, the more people we reach. We need people back there helping us with the lights, with the sound, with the screens. We need people helping us on our greeting team, helping us with our kids, helping us with rock groups in all the areas. They're listed right there, and I listed numbers by them. Those are people that we need in addition to what we already have. So I want you to take that card. If you want to mark it, if you want to bring it back next week, if you just want to come talk to us about serving, we would love for you to do that. I do want to throw in a side note too. You may just be coming here because you need to get your life back on track and you're just saying, I'm not at a place where I I can do that yet. That's fine. We just want you to come be in the presence of God every week and let God get you to that place. But if this is your church home, we need more heroes so that we can cross over and make a difference in our city. Perhaps... God will use you. So here's the grand conclusion of our story right here. It actually gets even more large and unbelievable. In verse 20 of chapter 14, Then Saul, remember King Saul, taking a nap under the pomegranate tree, King Saul and all of his men rushed out to the battle, found the Philistines killing each other, right? So here's what's happened. All right, they began to panic, and all of a sudden the earthquake hits, and now they're just swinging swords. And they don't even realize they're, they're fighting against each other. And they're defeating each other. The Israelites don't even have to do it. The entire Philistine army is destroying itself. There is terrible confusion everywhere. Verse 21. Even the Hebrews, who had previously gone over to the Philistine army, revolted and joined in with Saul and Jonathan and the rest of the Israelites. Likewise, the men of Israel who were hiding in the hill country of Ephraim joined the chase when they saw the Philistines were running away. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle continued to rage even beyond Beth Haven. Here's what happens. Because one hero was willing to trust God with a divine moment. Not only did God get the victory, but watch what happened. King Saul, who was supposed to have his place in all the Israelite armies, all of a sudden began to remember, oh yeah, this is who I'm created to be. And they began to be again in that moment who they were supposed to be. You also have the Hebrews, people who had walked away and given up, came back and said, This is where I'm supposed to be. And then you've got the other Israelites who were hiding in caves. All of a sudden got an enormous amount of courage and said, Yes, this is where I'm supposed to be. When we're willing to trust God in a divine moment, not only can God work in and through you for that situation, but it's like a ripple in a pond. It can go out beyond you. What if not only did we trust God that God could use us here in the church, But as we began to trust God, other people began to realize who they are in Christ. What is if as we trusted God in the divine moments that we have in our lives every day, people who have walked away from church and walked away from God and given up on God begin to realize, oh yeah, I see something in you that I've walked away from. What if as we begin to trust God in divine moments, People who are hiding from God for a lot of legitimate reasons, right? These guys had legitimate reasons hiding for their lives. They're hiding from God because they've been hurt, because their marriage is falling apart. Whatever it is, what if as we begin to trust God in a divine moment, they realize, 
I can trust God too. And all of a sudden, they begin to become back on God's side. Perhaps God has given you a divine moment in your life. Perhaps God has given us a divine moment right here in our church. Perhaps we're going to see the lost come home. We're going to see the broken healed. We're going to see the discouraged find hope. We're going to see those who need to know Christ come to know him. God wants to use us as a church, and God wants to use you as an individual as well. God can use us. God uses heroes, ordinary people who trust God in divine moments. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, forgive us for not recognizing all the moments around us, Lord, that you give us every single day. Lord, help us to have the discernment and the wisdom to see those divine moments. Not that we can be a hero for hero's sake, but simply, Father, that you could use our lives. Perhaps it would be in a great way. Perhaps it would be in a small detail. But, Father, we want to be used by you. Perhaps you're here today. And you know, you've heard all of this and you realize, I don't have a relationship with God though. I'm one, or maybe I'm one of those people who has walked away and I'm now with the Philistines. If that's you today, I just want to say a quick and simple prayer for you. And I want you to to pray with me as well. Just in your head is fine. And if you're beginning this progress, I want you to let one of our prayer partners know afterwards. They're going to be available after the service. You can let any of our leaders know because we want to walk with you as you begin your walk with God. If you know, like the Hebrews, that you need to come back to God or like the Israelites, that you need to get your life right or maybe you just need to begin this walk with God, would you just pray this in your heart with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I trust you even without knowing the outcome because you sent Jesus to die on my behalf and to forgive my sins. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. I want to be your child. I want to be on your side, Father. Would you make me a new creation? In Jesus' name, amen.